0: Welcome back, today we have a giant questions, giant mailbag video. I got a lot more questions than usual. So, I think the way I'm going to break this down is I had some questions from Twitter, some from YouTube. So, today's video will be the YouTube questions. And I think the next video I'll make about the questions video will be the Twitter questions. So, I'll try and break them up in two videos rather than keep you guys here for like over an hour. I don't think you guys want that. So, anyway, thanks to those who asked questions. If I didn't get to you, I'm sorry. There were some about the draft. And I'll be honest, I have not really dove into the draft enough to really sit here and speak on us. So I'll definitely have my draft takes by the time March comes around. But anyway, hope you guys enjoyed the video. Leave a like and let's get into it. First from Zohaib, I think that's how you pronounce it. Zohaib, how would you feel if Kafka is hired elsewhere as a head coach? Do you believe the offense would be at the same level or better with Dable calling plays, assuming he would call plays if Kafka leaves? So yeah, I think that Kafka has had some conversations, a couple interviews with the Houston Texans. I think he'd be kind of dumb to take that job, honestly, because that job is a death sentence. Like, don't do it. But if Kafka were to leave, that would be interesting. I I think Dable liked the role he had last year. So I don't think he would really try to call plays on his own. If he had to and he couldn't find someone he trusted, then sure, I guess he would do it. But like Kafka last year, I don't think Dable and Kafka ever had any type of affiliation before last year. And I'm pretty sure Dable said that. So if Dable, you know, worst comes to worst. If Kafka does leave, Dable can find another bright young offensive mind that he trusts and bring him here and do the same thing that Kafka did. Hopefully, because a lot of this offense is Brian Dable. Of course, there were some suggestions and some plays from Mike Kafka, but most of this is Brian Dable's offense. So, I don't think it'll affect things that much. Obviously, I hope that Mike Kafka makes the decision that makes him happy, but I would like to have him back here next year. There's no doubt about that. Next from Rossi, what are two positions or players that are upcoming free agents that you would like to see the Giants try and target in free agency before the draft to add either depth, talent, veteran leadership, etc.? And are there positions of need you'd rather wait for in the draft to target instead of free agency? I'm going to answer the second part first. Yes, I'd rather wait on cornerbacks because I think corners are now getting to a point where they are a bit pricey. You have some corners out there that are, you know, hitting the market that are pretty young, like you have like Jamel Dean with the uh, the Buccaneers, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who I've always been a fan of. He's possibly going to leave the Eagles if they can't afford him. And you have some vets like Patrick Peterson and whoever, but Yeah, I think corner is a position I would wait on. You have your veteran, you have a Dory Jackson still in this prime. So I guess you could put two veterans back there at your starting corner spots, but I'd rather just get a corner in the draft. Um, Upcoming free agents I'm interested in. I mean, I haven't really gone through the list entirely, but I mentioned Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. I think Jacoby Myers with the uh, Patriots is interesting, but I don't know what type of contract he will you know, demand because he's had a couple really good years with the Patriots as a mostly slot-wide receiver. But the Giants do have Wondell Robinson, so it may not make sense if Wondell is expected to make a full recovery. But I will definitely have a free agency video at some point. Don't worry. But the two positions that I think need the most upgrade with this Giants team is wide receiver and I would say inside linebacker I would say those are the two positions that you'd have to make upgrades at next year and I think they will I don't know who those people will be, whether it's through the draft or free agency. I think free agent linebackers they should not cost a crazy amount of money. Like we saw Blake Martinez, who at that point was a you know pretty good linebacker. He was signed for like three years and thirty million dollars. It wasn't like the biggest contract in the world. So the Giants hopefully can get some type of decent linebacker. I'll try and look through the list real quick. Some of these lower end guys like Leighton Vander Esch. I mean, he's had too much of an injury history. I probably would not go that route, but. I don't know. There's probably somebody out there. We'll go through the list eventually, but there's probably somebody out there that, you know, will definitely be an upgrade at linebacker because it's not really that hard to upgrade from Jalen Smith, unfortunately. So they'll figure it out. But I would say wide receiver, inside linebacker are my top two needs for the Giants right now. Next, we have Kurt, Kyle, Schwarber. How you doing? Um, After hearing the postseason press conference, do you think Shane and Dable actually believe in jones or do you think they will get a stopgap guy the next year or two since they have no better options and can't draft anyone and then he has a side note it's a long one i'm not gonna read the whole thing but he basically said he agreed with the colin cowherd analogy which i made a video about recently but did go on to say that colin gives daniel jones no credit because he was not really a jones guy at first and yeah i do agree with that i think he's definitely an anti-daniel jones type of guy um first part let's get this out of the way so Do they believe in Daniel Jones? I think they do believe in Daniel Jones, but for the right price. I do think that Joe Shane's made an emphasis on, here's my price, and I'm not paying you over this. And whether it goes for Saquon or Daniel Jones or Julian Love, whoever, it doesn't matter what your name is. He realizes that the cap space for this team is not in the best shape, and they need to be smart about the way they spend here. So if Daniel Jones is out on the market and says, I demand at least thirty million or $35 million per year, Then maybe Dable and Shane, they they talk about it and they say, yeah, like, we don't think that you're worth that or we can't afford that or it's not the smartest thing for us to do right now. So I could see it not working in that regard. And if they have to get a stopgap guy, I mean, you have that guy on the roster in Tyrod Taylor. Unfortunately, he never stays healthy, so he would not play a full season, most likely. I've been a fan of Jacoby Brissett. I don't think he's the worst option in the world. If you had to move on from Jones, you can probably get Jacoby for like a third of the price. I mean, that would probably be the best option. He filled in and played pretty well without uh, Deshaun Watson there. So, I mean, yeah, the Browns had a pretty bad record overall. But I think Jacoby, with good coaching here, I think he'd have a decent season. So maybe he's a guy to go after. Um, But it's interesting. I think sometimes you feel like they will trust Jones. And then sometimes you get the vibe that, like, he might not be into him. So with Joe Shane, it's different. Shane said he wants to keep Jones at the podium, but as we know, you know, general managers lie, politicians lie, all these people lie, Um, you can't fully trust them, so, you know, I think Shane's gonna make an offer, I do not see a scenario where the Giants just are so done with Daniel Jones, where they don't offer him a contract, they'll offer him a contract, but... There will be negotiations going on, but my point is they're not going to overpay for him, which is another topic we'll get to later. But anyway, um, you know, it's iffy. But I do think they'll trust him at the right price. Next from Big Nuts. I like the name, Nuts with a Z. If the Giants were in a scenario where the top wide receivers were taken in the first round, the Giants picked 25th, by the way, would you rather have the first pick be interior linebacker or cornerback? So I kind of went over that before. I would take a corner. I think they are worth more especially in today's NFL where there's a lot of passing. Um, I would love a good cornerback on a rookie deal. Like That's what I would love to have this offseason. There's a lot of things I'd love to have this offseason, but that's one of them. But if you're at the 25th pick and you have a a linebacker you love and a cornerback that you're you like but you don't love i'd rather just take the linebacker take the guy you're, you're sure of take the guy that you think you know has the higher draft grade on your board like don't don't reach too much because of positional value but if they are similarly ranked on your board i would prefer a corner because those guys i feel like are more important and they do end up costing more once they get their second contracts next from three cesar i i i cesar i don't know the cesar three, kind of like the Carter three with Lil Wayne. Anyway. um All right. So if Kenny Galladay is a pre June 1st cut, uh the Giants save more cap this upcoming season, but have more debt money in 2024. I actually looked into his contracts. So I want to see exactly what's going on here. So if Kenny Galladay was cut early, like a pre June 1st cut, the Giants would have $14 million in dead cap space next year, 14.7. And their cap savings would be $6.7 million. Then for next year, 2024, their dead cap would be 6.8. This is 2024, and their cap savings would be $14 million now. If Galladay was cut post-June 1st, the Giants for this offseason the dead money would be $7.9 million, which is not horrendous. It's not what you want, but it's not terrible. Um, And they would save $13.5 million. That's much better. Then in 2024, it's also looking much better. Only $3.4 million in debt cap space and $18 million in cap savings. Then in 2025, oh my God, 2025, 3.4 in dead money, but you would also have zero dollars in cap savings at that point. So yeah, I mean, once again, thanks Dave Gettleman. Um so for me, I think what's going to happen is they cut him post June 1st. You're definitely probably making a smarter financial decision right there. And obviously, with uh, what the question said here from Cesar, like you're gonna have guys you need to sign in the future. Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, that kind of goes, you know, hand in hand with the Daniel Jones conversation too. Is how much money do you want to give these guys? Even Saquon Barkley, because you're gonna have uh, Xavier McKinney and Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence guys that want second contracts, and the Giants, I'm assuming, want to keep those guys, so, um, for Kenny, I think it's post-June 1st, I would be surprised if he's here next year, but at least he caught one touchdown with the Giants, I was very happy when that happened. Next, from Angel, or on hell, do you see a scenario where they sign Barkley, but no DJ? If so, who is the quarterback, and who is the wide receiver one? Yikes, uh, Based on what the press conference was saying, you try to like read in between the lines, it seemed like they wanted Daniel Jones more than Saquon Barkley, but this is not impossible. It could happen. I, I mean, Saquon could have a realization that he may not get the $14, $15, 16000000 million he wants and takes what the Giants give him, and maybe Daniel Jones wants way too much of what the Giants want to give him, and DJ moves on, and Barkley's kept on either the franchise tag or they come to a long-term agreement. So in that case, who's your quarterback? Who's your wide receiver one? Your wide receiver one, oh my gosh. I mean, that's, I don't even want to answer this question. It's going to be ugly. It's, it could be some free agent wide receiver. I've been a DJ Chark guy for a while. I've liked DJ Chark with the Jaguars. He played this year with the Lions. Maybe like a cheaper guy like that. Someone who has upside. He's had some injuries and bounced around a bit the past couple of years. Maybe make that type of guy your wide receiver one. But it could be through the draft. And then your quarterback assuming they don't love a prospect in this draft, because if they do, of course they could trade up for somebody. Um, as I mentioned, Brissette, Tyrod, one of those type of guys. Like if, if Daniel Jones moves on next year, I'd hate to say it, but wins and losses will not be the biggest concern for the Giants front office next year. If they let Daniel Jones walk, it's either because A, they just couldn't afford him, or B, they have the bigger picture of a rebuild in mind. And at that point, Doesn't even matter who your quarterback is. You're just there to be a stopgap guy and, you know, just be a placeholder until the Giants eventually draft their hopefully franchise quarterback in 2024, let's say. So at that point, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, but the Giants, if DJ were to move on and you had a stopgap type quarterback, you would be able to pay other positions more and build the team up around that stopgap quarterback and have a good situation for the eventual future drafted quarterback in 2024, 2025, whatever. So, you know, you can make arguments for both ways. I think this might be a good move because you can build the team around the, you know, potential franchise quarterback in the future better. But if you bring Jones back for next year, you have a chance to run it back and make the playoffs and hopefully make a run and, you know, get further than the uh, divisional rounds. So there's both sides to it. But as I said, if you're actually rebuilding next year, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. You just don't want to pay that guy a ton of money. Next from Courtney, who is better at defensive end that would sign for the upcoming year? Jihad Ward or Jason Pierre Paul? uh, Would you sign JPP for $2.7 million over two years? I would give JPP a one-year contract. Can't do two with him. He's probably like 33 by now. I love JPP. Like he was one of my favorite guys in that 2011 Super Bowl run. Obviously, like he was awesome. Him and Cruz and Hakeem Nicks, all those guys. But I have a soft spot for him. I have to admit it. But Jihad Ward, as long as Wink Martindale's here, it seems like Jihad Ward will be here. And at that point, will there be much of a need for a Jason Pierre-Paul? Because you're going to have Jahad Ward, you know, assuming he comes back. Jahad Ward, you're going to have Kayvon Thibodeau. You're going to have Aziz Ojalari. The only way I see JPP possibly being a Giant next year is, like, if an unfortunate, like, training camp or preseason injury happens to, you know, God forbid it's, like, Kayvon or Aziz or something. Like, I can see that being the case. But assuming they have those guys, JPP, he wants to come to a place to play. He's not going to come on the Giants just to, you know, sit on the bench. So, you know, I think barring an injury, no JPP, unfortunately. But for Jihad Ward, I would think if Don Martindale is back with the Giants next year, that Jihad Ward will be here as well. Next from Rose, despite the success, what if the organization wants to start fresh and let Saquon and Daniel Jones walk? See, so you guys are attacking this from all angles. I give you guys credit. You're asking the right questions here. Um... This And look, anything's possible. I want to just say anything's on the table. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, this can't happen, that can't happen. When it comes to Jones and, and Saquon, anything could happen. Anything. Um, You can't give them, like, you know, a stupid amount of money because the salary cap does exist no matter what you want to believe. But, um... This is a possibility. I'm not expecting it. I think at least one of those guys will be back here next year, and I think it. I think the answer will be one of those guys will be back here next year. I, I, you know, I think it's hard to fit both Daniel Jones and Saquon onto this team next year, salary cap wise. Um, if one of those guys takes a big uh, pay cut and you get Daniel Jones for the twenty, the twenty-five million dollar contract, then maybe. But you know, to sign like, let's say they get what the market's saying. Let's say Daniel Jones gets. 35 million dollars per year and Saquon gets like 14 million per year I mean that's a lot of money like I don't think the Giants can even afford that so I guess there's a scenario where if the Giants really want to you know jump into this rebuild and attack it you know the way they want to and as I said don't care about wins and losses next year then yeah I could see this being a scenario where The Giants could do it, but that would probably not sit right with the fan base. It would probably not sit right with John Mara. So it's probably not something that's going to happen, but you never know. As I said, it comes down to what these guys are asking for. Um, But as I said, I I could see a scenario where Saquon is gone and Daniel Jones is back. But if Daniel Jones asks for way too much and Saquon brings his price down, you can see a scenario where Saquon's back and Daniel Jones is gone. But for both guys to be gone, I'd be a bit surprised. But as I said, anything's on the table, so you never know. Next from Dave Campbell. How are you, Dave? Um, I can't believe that the Odell rumors are starting back up again. At this point, I don't even care if he comes back. Where are you at with OBJ following the playing gate? <laughs> and his will he, won't he? I don't know what you mean by that last part. But, uh... I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him and the whole plane incident. I don't know if the NFL will get involved or not, but I don't know. It was just Odell looked like a massive douche in that situation. I I think Odell is a good guy, but like just I don't know. That was a very rough look by him. Uh, Anyway, I think especially after that, I don't see the Giants and Odell reunion happening. It seemed like there was a chance at one point. But once again, how much does Odell want? that's the thing. If Odell wants a simple contract of one year and $8 million, then yeah, sure, I'll take him. But chances are Odell wants a multi-year deal, like a a two-year and $20 million contract, maybe 10 mil per year. And I don't see the Giants going in that direction. You can give similar type, you know, average salary to Saquon Barkley, a bit more obviously than 10, but still, and I think the Giants would rather do that than to give it to Odell Beckham, who's a massive question mark. As much as I love Odell, um, I always put the Giants' best interest first. And I know people think, like, oh, I hate Daniel Jones and blah, blah, blah. But like, no, I want the Giants to do what's best for their team. As much as I love Odell, he was my favorite Giant for a while. I don't think it's smart to bring him back right now. But if he came back on a very cheap contract, which I don't see happening, then yeah, I would take him. But it's just not realistic at this point. Next from Frank. Frank, I just saw you DM me. When am I making this video? Right now. I'm making it right now. Anyway, uh, what is the contract you would give up for Isaiah Hodgins? Uh, Yeah, I think Hodgins is a guy you want to bring back next year. He's not a must. You don't have to bring him back. It's not like you have to do it. But based on what he's shown with this team in the final two months or so, he's a guy that I would like to see back here next year. His contract's not going to be a big one. It's going to be like a one-year deal... Two and a half million dollars, maybe. I'm kind of just like pulling that number out of my ass, but like it's not gonna be a lot. I I do not see him getting like a multi year deal, he has not proven enough yet. I want to see his stats for the hell of it because like I know watching him play, it was like, oh, he had a great year, but like, did he actually have a great year according to the numbers? I mean, that's something that I don't even know what his numbers were last year. He had 33 catches, 351 yards, and four touchdowns, and that was only in eight games with the Giants, and he started five of those games. Those are good numbers, you know. I think. Think over a full season, maybe you get a really good, like, 800 yard year out of uh, Isaiah Hodgins, 6'4, 210 pounds. I would like to bring him back, but once again, he's not a guy I overpay for. It's a one year deal type guy, and you know, he was on roster bubbles for a reason a few months ago. So if the Giants bring him back, I'm not mad about it. I'd, I'd actually prefer that, but it should not be for a lot of money. Next from Ra Ra. does having a number one receiver make much of a difference if your quarterback doesn't look downfield and has limitations? Brett Coleman did an excellent breakdown of Daniel Jones and showed examples of this several times throughout the season. And yes, I saw the Brett Coleman video. It was very well done. Anyone that's like super like positive on Daniel Jones and says he deserves like 40 something million dollars per year, I do recommend watching the Brett Coleman video. Just search his name on YouTube, and it's towards the end, he goes over Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, man, that's a, it's a real question. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's a real thing. I mean, there were times throughout the year, and I, I get the answer is going to be, well, every quarterback misses receivers. I get it. But those, those quarterbacks, like people say, well, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen miss guys throughout the year. But yeah, those guys are putting up MVP type numbers. I mean, our quarterback had like barely 3,000 passing yards. It's different. So anyway, that's a concern I have. That's why I don't have the mindset of a wide receiver one fixes everything and doesn't fix the entire team it may not fix Daniel Jones's career because if he's not looking for those guys downfield then what's the difference you know I think Brett says it in the video whether a top five NFL wide receivers open downfield or a bottom five wide receiver NFL receivers open downfield if the quarterback doesn't throw it it's the same result it's it's a good point, right? So, having wide receiver talent would be great, but if Daniel Jones is not going to open it up and give that wide receiver one chances, then, like, what are you doing? You know, like, what are you even there for? It's going to turn into like a Kenny Galladay 2.0 situation. Not as bad, but still. If you're not giving your wide receiver one chances, you're gonna just bring him on here for nothing, basically. But yeah, the Brett Coleman video was interesting. It, it showed limitations, and it, it leaves me a bit concerned, and um, I think Jones had a good year. He did, but it, it just kind of shows you, like, why I don't want to pay this guy, like, 35 or more million dollars per year, which I don't think makes me a hater. It just makes me, like, a realist about the situation, but you can look at that how you want. Next, from Grinding with Levy. Ah, speaking of the Daniel Jones hater, here we go. Why are you such a DJ hater? Don't dodge this question. We're not dodging. We're going to answer it. Expecting him to lead the league in touchdowns with a, with Bad Dog and Christy Entertainer as wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Uh, wow, where do I start with this question? Um, why am I a DJ hater? All right, so first of all, I wouldn't say I'm a DJ hater. If I genuinely hated Daniel Jones, I would have stopped making Giants content like the second he was drafted. I would have been like, what's the point? So I wouldn't even be here still. But anyway, um, it's more of being a DJ realist. And I did see that somebody was defending me in the comments, which was nice of you. Oh, here it was. Kelvin Arzu, he said, bro, he's not a DJ hater. He's a DJ realist. My man. Thank you. (laughs) If you look outside the Giants fan base, there's a lot of people that think DJ is incredibly mid or low mid. Open your eyes. And that's, listen, that's the biggest part about this Giants fan base. There's a lot of disagreement about Daniel Jones and... You know, as I've always said, I want a quarterback that can bring me in the Super Bowl conversation for years and years to come. And I just don't see Daniel Jones being that guy. And if me wanting Super Bowls and wanting my teams to make the right financial decisions makes me a hater, then then so be it. I I don't really care at this point. I've been hated on a lot since I've been doing uh, YouTube. It happens. But um, I get opinions will be different. And the main disagreement is, like, what your timeline is. Some people... Next year, expect the Giants to take another step forward and possibly make the NFC Championship game and make a Super Bowl run. And there's some fans that just want to get this thing right and make sure you have the right guy. And honestly, Daniel Jones's first three years, I mean, his rookie year was pretty good. I was giving him a chance going into year two, but his year two and year three were god-awful. And then Brian Dable comes in and, you know, Jones has probably his best year statistically. They use his legs a lot more, but... People act like Daniel Jones had a year of like forty-five hundred yards, thirty-five passing touchdowns, and like six hundred rushing yards. That's just not the case. Like I've seen Josh Allen and Daniel Jones comparisons because you know that's just how people are, which is asinine in my opinion. But Josh Allen this past year, and what people would call a down year, and it was a down down year for Josh Allen standards. Josh Allen in twenty twenty two. Had a 63 completion percentage, 4,200 passing yards, 35 passing touchdowns, 14 interceptions, which is a lot for him. And rushing-wise, he had 762 rushing yards, 7 rushing touchdowns, and he had 13 fumbles, which is a lot. But it doesn't show how many he lost. I don't know why. But anyway... Um so yeah that that's what Daniel Jones is being compared to and if you look at Jones's numbers next to Josh Allen's numbers and I'm not the one making the comparison I think it's ridiculous but some people make that comparison and I've seen comments of people saying well I think Daniel Jones fits the Giants better than Josh Allen would I'm like what how do you like what <laughs> I don't get it and once again you end the question with the wide receiver excuse I mean He's played with Evan engram who once he left has had a better year with the Jaguars. Um, he's had Golden Tate, who in 2019 was still a pretty good player. He's had Darius Slayton, he's had Sterling Shepherd, he's had Saquon Barkley, they signed Kenny Galladay to a massive contract, they gave Kyle Rudolph a stupid contract, like he's had guys to throw to, but all it seems like is a bunch of excuses at this point. And I do acknowledge that his wide receiver group is not very good. But where do you expect to go with Daniel Jones? Like, do you think Daniel Jones is ever winning a Super Bowl or even getting there? I don't know. I'd I'd rather just get a guy that I know is very good. Very, very good. And there's a chance that Daniel Jones takes a step back next year. And I know we're expecting him to progress based on what we saw this year. But even in the Eagles playoff game, the guy looked exposed. I mean, the Eagles took away everything he wants to do. The short passes. They had a quarterback spy. They took away everything Daniel Jones wanted to do. And he was awful. I mean, the, the entire team was awful. I can't just blame him. But that's the thing. If you have a smart defense that takes away what Daniel Jones wants to do, which for the most part this year wasn't the most complex things, then he had a pretty rough performance. So I'm fine if the Giants keep him, which, you know, once again, proves I don't think I'm a hater, but I want him at the right price. I can't pay this guy $40 million per year. I just can't do it. Some people want the four-year $120 million deal or even more. I think those people are out of their minds. You can't do that after one pretty good year, all right? Like, It's a pretty good year. It is. I I guess based on the circumstances, it's a a really good year, but it's a pretty good year looking at it just by the stats and the entire situation and looking at Brian Dable coming in and, and helping this guy. And people, of course, want to say, oh, Daniel Jones carried the Giants the entire year. Well, was Saquon Barkley not on the roster? Because Saquon did a very good job of carrying this Giants roster for their first, I think, eight wins or seven wins. I think it was, yeah, seven wins. Saquon was awesome in those games. The one time Daniel Jones carried us the first half of the year was the game against Green Bay. But aside from that, it was all Saquon Barkley offensively. Daniel Jones was doing very simple things offensively up until the first Vikings game on Christmas Eve. Then... He started to play much better, and he was playing easier defenses. Yes, he was playing the Vikings, he was playing the Colts, he was playing the Vikings again in the playoffs, and those defenses suck. So maybe that's smoke and mirrors, I don't know. But the guy played much better down the stretch. And as I said, I do think he deserves another year here, but I am not going to be irresponsible and give this guy some massive contract that I might regret, you know, seven, eight months from now. So I don't want that to be the case. So as I've said, if it's... uh, 25 million dollars per year i'm on board if it's over 30 i'm going to be a little concerned with that but as i've also said i trust joe shane joe shane knows what's best for this giants team he's a smart dude he knows a lot more football than i'll ever know so i i trust joe shane he's not dave Guttman. this is not the dave Guttman situation where i can't trust a guy for my life at least with joe shane He has the Giants' best interest in mind. He came from the Bills organization. He knows what he's doing. So I do think he'll figure it out and do the right things. And the last question from Jackie Chan. I don't think that's your real name, but is it worth keeping Shepard? And if we did, how would he fit into our offense? Uh, We've seen Shep as an outside guy before, and it's worked out pretty well. I think it was 2019, right? I think it was um, in uh, Daniel Jones' rookie year. So... Listen, with Shepard, he seems to be a guy the team loves. He has a lot of energy on the sideline, despite tearing his ACL just a few months ago. Um, I would like him back, but like, how long is he going to last for? That's the big thing. You can't bring him back and expect him to last the entire year. That that would be f- completely foolish by now. But if he's just a throw-in guy, like as your wide receiver five or something, like yeah, I would bring Shepard back. I think he's past the point now in his career where he'll get big money because his injury history is just way too long for a team to commit like a multi-year deal to him. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I just can't be like I can't see myself being a GM and being like, "Oh, I want Sterling Shepard for a 2-year, $15 million deal." I just would not commit that. So, if he wants to come back on a 1-year deal to the Giants and they could afford it, then I think Shepard is a nice guy to bring back. The team loves him. I love Shep. He's been the longest-tenured Giant, so I would say bring him back, but that's another one. We'll wait and see what happens. He's been paid pretty well already. I think he signed like a four-year and $48 million contract a few years back, and I think that's ending now. So Shepard's a guy that I would bring back, but I would not give a multi-year deal to. Anyway, that'll do it for this video. I'm going to get myself some Outback Steakhouse and hopefully watch the Nets beat the Knicks. I mean, probably not because we suck right now. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. I'll do the Twitter questions next time. I'll try and do that within the next week or so. Hope you guys stay tuned for that, and I'll talk to you guys next time.